Welcome everybody. Let me ask all of you to go inside and to find out the force that has brought you to here tonight and to find out the thought or even the aspiration that uh, motivates you to come here tonight. The, your intention that uh, invite you to be here tonight. You may discover that the thought that uh, brought you here is a spiritual impulse. It's a deep longing, and that is perhaps much uh, bigger than any other passion or desires that you have in your ordinary life. We have a passion and longing for many illusions, circumstances in this life. We have uh, all forms of uh, desire, and usually our desire changes, and our longing changes, but this one never changes. So it is the longing of the longing, the passion of the passion, the desire of the desire. And this longing will lead you to the liberation sooner or later. And many mystics in various traditions felt this uh, deep, and such longing led many men and women to the absolute freedom. And many ancient mystics talked about the divine love. It's a form of love, but love without any object. So it cannot be compared with any ordinary love. The ordinary love have an object. The ordinary love and passion are temporary and transient in themselves. So the divine love is your love of liberation, your love of connecting with source within you and it is your longing to be one with the infinite. So therefore, and there is a, so much spirituality. A very famous uh, 
spiritual teacher said that the human beings should not try to become spiritual beings. Spiritual beings should try to become human beings. It's a very wise statement. It means that there's already spirituality in each of us. Human beings are already spiritual because there's a longing is your desire to become free, to become one with the infinite, with the emptiness or with the eternal Buddha, with the truth itself. But sometimes this longing is very much uh, shut down. And especially when we are lost in our thoughts and ordinary desires, there's nothing wrong with acquiring ordinary desires. There's nothing wrong with having ordinary passion. But the problem is that we are very much lost the sum of ordinary desire, ordinary passion, wanting this and that, desiring for illusions, perfect illusions and beef illusions that might be health, longevity, relationship, success, comfort, and psychological security. So, when we are lost in those ordinary desire and longing, and then this spiritual impulse, this transcendent longing is completely ignored and becomes silent. When you go into the high mountains during the winter and there is a river flowing, but you don't see the river because it is covered by the ice. And yet if you walk and put your ear very close to the ice, you may hear a sound of steam flowing. So this spiritual longing, this divine love is sometimes like the stream flowing under the cold ice. It's there but we don't hear it most of the time. Because there's so much noise happening in our consciousness. From morning to the evening this consciousness is filled with neurotic commotions. <laughs> I want this. I want that. I want uh, a cup of coffee. I want a piece of chocolate. I want ice cream. I want comfort. I don't want this. I hate that and this. I want to be happy. I want everybody to 
be nice to me. <laughs> and I want to get everything that I'm desiring. So this mind is completely taken over by whole force of noise, thoughts, negative memories of the past, fear of the future, judgment, paranoia, hatred, aggression. So this uh, divine love is completely silenced. And yet, somehow there's enough crack on our consciousness to reach that we hear this divine music, the sound of this development. And this is perhaps the reason that why you're here tonight. Please acknowledge that. So you are brought here by a very beautiful force. Your divine love is in working. Right now, it is a blossoming. In your heart, perhaps there is a, such a pure intention to be free and to become one with the infinite or to become big or to become who you are, the true nature of who you are. And this is also called bodhicitta in Mahayana Buddhist tradition. So it's not really Buddhist then, even though Buddhism talked about it. So one has to know how to embrace the spirit of bodhicitta. If you really want to be free, then you must hold the spirit of bodhicitta in your heart. This is the only time I will tell you my way or highway. <laughs> <laughs> and usually my reputation is not being very uh, stubborn or demanding or dogmatic, I'm extremely easygoing as a, a Buddhist or as a spiritual teacher. So I don't even like the use of a have to and should. So that's not my language most of the time. Of course, many of you have been attending to my talks and teachings, you may notice that I don't use so much this words, have to and should. But this one I have to say, <laughs> my way or highway. <laughs> and I do not care whether you want to be Buddhist, or Christian, 
Oh, Hindu, that's not my business. I do not care whether you want to wear holy robes or shave your head or grow your hair long. And none of these are my business. But I must uh, beg you to go inside and uh, embrace this uh, spirit of Ambodhicitta, which is uh, your design to be awakened. And Bodhicitta is already blossoming inside you. All I did was to ask you to turn your attention inside and acknowledging that a miracle is already blossoming right now in your heart. This is what I feel and this is what I see in this very moment. So the Bodhicitta is not a, a Buddhist thing. It's not a Hindu thing. It is a, the, perhaps the noblest a human impulse that we can experience. So honor it and acknowledge it. And when we embrace this spiritual bodhicitta, and then we began to walk on this path, the spiritual path, or the dharma, and when you get to the, the heart of the path, the path becomes a more and more pathless path. And also, you begin to realize the very wisdom that the Buddha was trying to express. In the Buddhist tradition, uh, we are encouraged to realize and to also feel the Four Noble Truths so let me recite uh, this line, and that is uh, found in almost every Buddhist sutras. The line goes, one must know the suffering. One must transcend the root of suffering. One must realize the nirvana, and one must enter the path. So on the path, we have no choice except to realize and feel the truth of suffering. So there is a individual suffering as well as also there's a collective suffering. And if you really want to be free and become awakened, and then once again, your choice is to open your heart and to explore the human suffering. And you would not be afraid of exploring the human suffering as long as you know how to continue embracing the bodhicitta as your divine love.
you will have so much courage and so much readiness to feel and discover and to dive into the, the human suffering. Here, I'm not speaking of your personal suffering, but I'm speaking of the human suffering, the collective suffering, the suffering of our ancestors, suffering of your parents, the pain of your mother, the agony of your father and your relatives, your children, as well as the future generation. And sometimes when you feel this tension in your body and pain in your heart, you're not actually experiencing your own suffering, but you are somehow tuning into the collective karma, the collective sorrow. I grew up in Tibet and fairly treated quite well, didn't suffer so much physically, And I remember that uh, uh, at one time I came across a, a Buddhist uh, poem, and which says, "There's so much uh, suffering in the world that if you put together, if you can really translate the suffering into." form, then this earth would be too small to contain the human suffering. And I didn't understand what that is all about, because in my consciousness there wasn't so much suffering. And there was some discomfort, but I never felt this sense of the oceanic suffering, because my life was quite smooth. And my life began with lots of blessing and good fortune. But finally, I also come to this understanding that the spiritual path is all about really opening your heart and to embrace, of course, your own sorrow but also suffering of the humanity. And that's why whenever you have a pain and discomfort in your heart and agony in your consciousness, do not take it personally. Do not take ownership of them instead and realizing that you are simply being part of this human society and uh, without choice you are also experiencing the karma, the suffering of uh, the entire humanity. So many things happened in human history, tragedy, war, and genocide, abuse. Even right now, perhaps in this world, there's so much uh, misfortune happening something that we cannot ignore. In this very moment, perhaps thousand people are being abused. And millions of people are perhaps hungry.
And if you hold the bodhicitta, the desire to wake up, and then allow yourself to feel the oceanic suffering, and without uh, hiding behind uh, defensiveness, and then transformation will happen, and healing will take place inside your heart. And usually, the ego is a form of a defensiveness. It's a form of an armor. It's a psychological armor. And trying to protect itself. And trying to always ward off the awareness of the human sorrow. Which is a very uh, tricky as well as uh, intelligent. Sometimes the ego uses even spiritual practice. And all these spiritual phenomena, <coughs> or even meditation, sadhanas, as an armor to ward off this profound awareness, instead to make yourself vulnerable and open your heart and to let go of all the illusory barricade that the mind set between you and the rest of the world and the rest of humanity. <coughs> so spirituality can be sometimes very unconscious. Especially without bodhicitta, almost every form of spiritual practice is a form of unconscious. It's another way of maintaining the state of unconscious. Unconscious can be quite ecstatic as well as very uh, blissful. Many years ago, I was uh, flying from here to somewhere in the south and uh, was wearing a Buddhist robe, my usual red skirt. And then somebody sat next to me, this lady, noticed that I am a very uh, unusual person, man in a red skirt. <laughs> so I always used to draw everybody's attention. So she sat next to me and she asked me, uh, who are you, or something like that. I may have told her I'm a Buddhist. I even don't remember what I told her. And then we started having this uh, spiritual dialogue and she started sharing her faith with me. And she told me that she follows a, a sect, a spiritual path. And she told me that her prophet is only infallible. All other prophets are wrong. <laughs> and the path is a, the only two paths. And she told me that uh, she has a very loving community as well as also good marriage. And she also told me that she's going to send me a, a bunch of books written by a prophet if I give her my address, which I did. And she was very happy and very nice. And person that you feel 
very much self around her. And I looked into consciousness, all I saw is there was a only a unconscious. That's all I saw. And my body just started uh, just uh, blossoming inside me. I wanted to wake up. That's the only desire I wanted to wake up. And I started uh, asking her some questions. And I saw there was a discomfort on a facial expression. And the plane was already landing. I thought, oh, this is already too late to try to wake up. <laughs> Let's enjoy her beautiful illusion. <laughs> because I don't want to spoil her life. I don't want to responsible for her misery and the spiritual crisis. <laughs> because once the process begins, and there's no turning back. <laughs> and I won't be around her either. <laughs> so she would be left alone with this very painful spiritual crisis. So I decided to shut up my mouth <laughs> and told goodbye to her. And that's it. And so I let her continue enjoying her illusion, the illusion of comfort, and let her be in the state of unconscious. So many forms of spiritual practice is just another way of maintaining the unconscious state. As a human being, we have been living in an unconscious state throughout centuries. Only few individuals become awakened, have the power, have the courage to arise above the unconscious. The unconscious world is what they call samsara. In the old days, very few people have the good fortune, the readiness to arise above the, the unconscious world. So few that these individuals become regarded as a spiritual prodigy, like Buddha, and they are called sometimes avatars. Of course, there are true avatars, and there are sometimes mischievous avatars, too. <laughs> <laughs> but avatar means a very gifted individual, exalted human being. But avatar or Buddha, Vyadara simply means somebody who has the courage and the willingness to rise above the unconscious world. So this uh, long that I'm talking about is not only desire to wake up, but also your desire to wake up the entire world the entire human society. And to do that, first uh, we have to know how to open our heart and to feel the sorrow. And through feeling the sorrow of humanity and then you feel that oneness with everybody, oneness with the 
every human being on the planet, a oneness with your enemy, a oneness with your friends, strangers, or oneness with the people who caused harm to you. In that oneness, there's only love, there's only forgiveness, and there's only infinite compassion. So it's very important for us to go inside and to make sure that we are not just continuing this world of samsara, world of unconscious, and especially in the name of spirituality. But to truly know where we are going and not waste the heart of matter, and then being courageous and have willingness to give rise to the profound dong, this bodhicitta, this precious thought, your desire to wake up, your desire to wake up the entire world. And bodhicitta is very intrinsic to each of us. I wanted to remind of you that has nothing to do with uh, Buddhism, even though this is uh, the center message of Buddhism. I want to let everybody know that you don't have to wear a Buddhist badge in order to practice the spirit of bodhicitta. I read somewhere that there was a Buddhist master who came to West. As a matter of fact, I know some of his disciples. He passed away a long time ago. And whenever he had a new student, he used to tell them, don't ever identify being a Buddhist. In other words, he used to encourage them, do not call themselves as Buddhist. Of course, you can call Buddhist, you can wear the Buddhist badge, but this is not a Buddhist theory or Buddhist doctrine. This is a, a, a universal. This is a, the heart of all spiritual traditions. And there is a Tibetan Lama whose name is Kuna Lama Tenzin. He was a very humble man and he lived uh, in India later his life. He was a very humble man. He was born in the Kuna region in India and he wanted to study Sanskrit. So he went to Varanasi and hung out with sadhus 
and Landauer to speak Sanskrit. And he became later a spiritual mentor to many uh, famous gurus and high lamas in Tibetan Buddhist tradition. And he wrote a poem, beautiful poem. It's a, called Hymns to the Bodhicitta, this profound longing. And he wrote a, a poem, a verse every day, a hymns to the Bodhicitta for entire a year. So this uh, poem has almost uh, 300 verses. So in this uh, poem he talked about the beauty, the wonder, the blessings of the bodhicitta. And basically he said that if you have this, then you have everything. You don't have to worry about anything. You don't have to know anything if you have this. And if you don't have this, then you have nothing. <laughs> and you may know everything. You might be able to recite all the scriptures, Bhangavata, Gita, Yoga Sutras, Buddhist scriptures, and you know nothing. Almost by now, 18 years ago, I was walking in downtown Santa Cruz and with this idea that I had a grand vision. My grand vision was that to teach Americans to tame all these barbarians. <laughs> <laughs> because all the Tibetans told me, this land of barbarians. So Tibetan Buddhists have a total projection of this land. And they see this land of barbarians. So I was very much indoctrinated by these Tibetan guys. And later I learned this is not land of barbarian. This is land of uh, uh, bodhisattvas. But I was uh, for a while very much influenced by my Tibetan colleagues. And they told me that I have to teach Buddhism and to help these barbarians and to tame them. <laughs> And then one day I was walking, I remember, downtown in Santa Cruz with this whole idea that I'm going to teach Buddhism and to help these people to tame these barbarians. And then a drunken man walked in front of me, who was a little bit uh, lost. And he said he wanted to talk with me. And then he started uh, reciting quotations from Bhangavata Gita as well as Dharmapata, which completely humbled me. <laughs> and I thought, if this crazy man can recite freely quotations from Bhangavata Gita and Dharmapada, what can I teach? I have nothing to teach. <laughs> if this crazy guy is so wise and so knowledgeable, in this country, all the men and women must be evolved and already uh, <laughs> quite wise and enlightened. So what am I doing here? <laughs> so the point I try to make is that you can memorize or you can know everything. All the 
spiritual teachings, sacred knowledge. You might be able to memorize all the Hindu scriptures or the Buddhist sutras, but if you don't know how to truly embrace the spiritual bodhicitta, then you know nothing. And then I know nothing. But if you simply know how to embrace this, and then you know everything without knowing anything. And that was his message. If I synthesize that beautiful poem, which has almost 300 verses, and I can recite that tonight, even if we have time, and I don't remember any verse from that poem. <laughs> but he was considered one of the most beautiful teachers in the last century in the Tibetan tradition, considered a living a saint. And let me repeat his essential message. If you know this, and then you know everything. If you don't know this, then you know nothing. And the moment you have the readiness to give yourself into this spirit, in this awareness, this spiritual bodhicitta, and then all your defensiveness will fall apart. Everything, your psychological defensiveness, your spiritual defensiveness, everything just begins to fall apart one after another. The bodhicitta is like fire. It burns everything inside your consciousness. There's a beautiful analogy in one of the Mahayana Sutra says, the divine fire burns everything except the empty space. It doesn't burn empty space. The empty space is the metaphor of your true nature, who you are, your original face. That is an empty space. It's the infinite, it's the Brahman within you. It's the Buddha within you. It is the truth that we can never fully describe in the words, in the concepts. So the ineffable does not lie outside of yourself. The ineffable lies within you. The absolute, the greatness, and that we can never fully describe in the world because so big, because so infinite, does not lie outside but lie within you. How extraordinary it is. Do you know there is a truth that the words cannot describe? Because it intrinsically exalted and vast. And Buddha called it the immeasurable truth. The immeasurable truth is 
inside you intubating it is said some gimmicky bitchunya means immeasurable truth the immeasurable truth is the what they call infinite the absolute the ineffable the brahman the dharmaka and it lies in each of us right now right now when i'm speaking to you it lies inside you whether you're able to be fully aware of it or not it doesn't really matter but it's inside you and it is who you are and then there are veils and many veils obscuring that ineffable inside you there are many veils pain anger delusion your concept the belief system that you have been accumulating since your child all these are layers of veils and constantly day and night obscuring that ineffable inside you and yet they're not who you are they're not permanent it's like the dust on the mirror the dust on the mirror is not a permanent it's a simply a condition it's like the cloud on the sky it's a condition and condition can be transcended and purified so spiritual practice is all about purifying and transcending those temporary conditions veiling our true nature the ineffable within you so bodhicitta is like fire burns all the veils the veil is a little bit archaic metaphor but if use contemporary terminology it's the defensiveness so there are a lot of defensiveness right now closing your heart as i told you even many of the spiritual believers and concept that we are cherishing are just another form of defensiveness and then finally when you give yourself to the spirit of bodhicitta then it becomes this divine fire just burns everything destroys everything inside except your original face Do you know that I said everything I need to say? <laughs> Do you think I'm missing something? I don't think so. Do you think you haven't heard something? No, you have heard everything. 
And this is the open secret. <laughs> and now you have heard the open secret. There's no more secret. Secret is completely open right now. Quite uh, liberating to realize that we heard everything we need to hear. <laughs> One thing you don't have to worry if you're going to die or if I'm going to die is a spiritual message, spiritual secret. You haven't missed anything. <laughs> but you may worry about the fact that you haven't had some exotic brand of ice cream. <laughs> this only thing I will be worrying if I'm going to die tonight. I may worry the fact that I haven't had a, a very exotic brand of ice cream <laughs> that I haven't had. I may worry I may have some kind of guilt, the fact that I haven't uh, been to Miami. <laughs> oh, I may have guilt or some kind of Incomplete and complex, the fact I haven't uh, climbed top mind Everest. <coughs> or the fact I have never learned how to ride a motorcycle. But the one last thing that I would worry about is a, a spiritual secret. I would not worry about. I would not have any incompletion complex thinking that I missed something in spirituality. I haven't heard the great secret. Or I haven't heard the last message. I haven't heard, I heard all the 107 messages, but I missed the 108th message. <laughs> and that would be my last or the least guilt. <laughs> and that is true for all of you. So you heard everything. <laughs> Do not tell me that you haven't heard something. Do not tell me that you have to keep walking and lost on the spiritual journey and you have to meet the wise man and wise woman and who's going to reveal the doorway to the secret. He's going to liberate you. Do not tell me that because you know everything now that you need to know. So now I will ask you to go inside and do not try to understand anything. There's nothing to understand. There's really nothing to understand. There's so much to understand on the surface of spirituality, but when you reach the heart of spirituality, there's nothing to understand. On the surface of spirituality, there's so much to understand. Learning this, and learning that, and memorizing these concepts, and acquiring in that profound thought system. There's so much to understand. But when you reach the very heart of spirituality, it's not about 
understanding or not understanding. Understanding and not understanding as the workings of the thinking mind, the conceptual mind. The conceptual mind can only get close to the truth, only close to the, the eternal freedom, but it never can experience it directly. So, in the heart of a spirituality, there's nothing to understand. So let go of this uh, whole idea that you have to understand something. Right now, this teaching does not offer you anything to be understood. There's nothing to understood in this teaching. It's like listening to a sound of river. There's nothing to understand. It's like looking into a flower. There's nothing to understand. When you walk on the beach, when you hear the sound of wave, I always use this as a metaphor, listen to it. Is there something to understand? Does a wave give you concepts? Does wave offer you a, a knowledge, a thought system about how to live, what you should do, what you should not do, who you are, where you come from, where you are going? Does the sound wave offer you any sacred knowledge? Does one wave say, chicken comes before the egg? Another wave says, no, no, no. Egg comes before chicken. And there's a, a holy war between them, religious war between that wave and that wave. Because they both have doctrines now, and you become the follower of that doctrine. One wave says, chicken comes before the egg. And other wave says, no, 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 no. The egg comes before the chicken. And there would be a whole school of thought. And they would never get along with each other. And who says the chicken comes before egg would have a primordial chicken. And they will build a huge statue of a giant chicken. And thousand people will be bowing. Uh-huh. Writing hymns to the giant chicken. <laughs> and the school of thought who says the egg comes first, uh, will be spend millions of dollars building a golden egg. <laughs> of course, this is a joke. <laughs> and that is about understanding. Understanding that chicken comes before egg. Understanding, the egg comes in for chicken. And mind fools itself, thinking that it arriving at a, some kind of clarity, when it is so far from the clarity, <laughs> when it is utterly lost in the sea of a delusion and self-deception. So the spirit of bodhicitta is not about understanding. It's a feeling, it's a... a Spiritual impulse. It's like love. Love is a feeling. There's nothing to understand. It's a compassion. There's nothing to understand. It's a communication between you and the Absolute. There's nothing to understand. So tonight, you come here, and because a crack 
happened in your consciousness. If there's a crack in the wall, eventually the wall will collapse. So there's a crack happened in the fortress of your heart, on your consciousness, and acknowledge it. This crack is going to keep getting bigger and bigger and turns into a divine doorway into the city of Nirvana. It would be a matter of time. So feel this deep longing. Don't you feel this deep longing? You know that. It's happening already. And keep cultivating it, learning how to dive into it. Every morning, sit in silence and be still and learning to dive into sea of this profound longing. And every noon, remember to sit still. Make sure that no matter how busy you are, that you find the time to sit. And be still, go inside. Allow yourself to be in touch with this deep longing and midst of all the other desire, longing, obsession, wanting this and that. And allow yourself to be blessed by the shower of that precious love, the divine love. And in the evening, before you go to bed, remember to sit still and feel their longing. And their longing is your longing to be awakened to who you are, to your original face, as well as your longing to hold the entire humanity, as well as the entire universe in your heart, and to wake them up. And now I invite all of you to uh, chant this uh, simple Buddhist mantra, which goes uh, Om Gati Gati Parangati Parasamgati Bodhisvaha. It means uh, Gan 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 beyond uh, Gan beyond completely to the other shore, which is already here, and what awakening.
Thank you many, many hundreds of times. Thank you for the invitation. 
Thank you for listening. To learn how you can support the teachers and Dharma Seed, please visit dharmaseed.org slash donate.